Hallelujah. Amen. Everybody's good. Hallelujah. All right. Thank you, Jesus. Praise God. God's on the throne. Amen. All right. Let's take up an offering. Amen. <laughs> Hallelujah. Praise the Lord, oh my soul. I got my usher back. Praise God. I missed you girls. We all missed you girls. Not just me, all of us. I don't know about your brothers, but they said the house was quiet and peaceful. Father, we just thank you and we praise you, Lord God, for this day. We thank you, Lord God, that the kids are back from camp safe. We pray your blessings upon them. We pray that you spoke to them, Lord. And we pray, Lord God, for this day that you would bless it, that you would be first in our lives always, in our finances, Lord, in our giving, in our, in our hearts, Lord God, in our minds. We want you first in everything we do, Lord. We just pray that you would bless this tithes and offerings and that you would bless your people above and beyond what we can ever imagine or comprehend, Lord. And I just pray this in Jesus' name. And everybody said amen. Amen. We're going to do, do something a little different today before we dismiss the kids to go to kids' church. We are going to have all of our campers come up. All our campers are coming up. All our campers, Julia, Grace, and Stella, the campers. Come on down. <laughs> Dylan and Jacob, you know, they missed out. Snooze, you lose. Come on down. All right. I would like for each one of you, come over here. Come over here. I would like for each one of you to tell us how your week was and if God impacted your lives at all. So we'll start with you, Stella, since you're next to me. You first. So how was your week? Tell us all about it. We all want to know. Do I have to use the microphone? Yeah. I don't want to use the microphone. The microphone. Your grandma's got to hear it. All right. Your grandma's got to hear it. Go ahead. What did you do? Um, what did you do? Um, was great. I loved the work. We did, Julie and me did three skills, and it was, I'm saying the same. We did crafting, horsemanship, and outdoor adventure. And my favorite thing was the celebrations and the color war. That was really fun. You, you go to the chapel and you worship. And there's first there's hype, hyping you up, and then there's um, something goes on before that, after that, and then we worship more. And then this, there was a speaker. His name was Sam, and he did it every week. Every day. This week, yeah. I really liked the worship songs. They were really good. I don't know the names of them. They're great songs. One of them was really moving to everyone here. It was... Didn't we look it up? It's not the freedom one. It was the... Freedom, yeah. There's freedom. No, oh no. I'm trying to think. Don't get your phone. No, Say freedom. Isn't it on your pocket? There's freedom by Jesus Culture. Another in the Fire was the one that moved everyone. Another in the Fire. 
and we went on a trail ride, and it was the first time I ever really cantered, and it was crazy. We were in yeah, I told the lady, I was like, that was the first time I cantered, and she's like, we were in the that was the advanced class. class. I was like, oh. The, the advanced class. We're not advanced. We know how to walk. <laughs> and we got woken up after we went to bed to do an obstacle course in the middle of the night. It was very fun. We had to find our counselors. Yep. Jake stole them. Maple Ridge. El Rancho de Paz. All right, come here, girls. Come here. Stand here. Stand in a row. Stand in a row. There you go. Um, well, I just want to say to the church, thank you, too, because we did also help the girls financially to go. So your tithes and offerings uh, helped five kids to go to Christian camp. And and I just, I'm so impressed that they all came up and shared. Because I told Grandpa today, I'm like, just have the girls come up and see if they'll talk about camp. And because uh, it's, remember what we said the one week, it's the word of our testimony, the blood of the lamb and the word of our testimony that gives us the victory. So you coming up being faithful and obedient to Pastor Chris, Grandpa, and coming up and sharing what that meant to you and the word. And I don't know if you heard it, but like one of the things they loved the most was the worship. They love the worship. They, of course, love the horses. Anything else? Every single night we had powwow with our cabin, and every single night we had this powwow with our cabin, and you just talk about, like, what, how was your day, and then, like, how was the chapel, and, like, what you learned. Oh, so you got prepared for this, because this is powwow, that's what we're talking about. Yeah, basically. Testimony time, we'll call it powwow. Yeah, and everyone shared, like, one of the days, one of the lessons was about, like, his testimony and stuff and then during powwow everyone shared their testimony if they had like a story they wanted yeah, to share too. that's so great I told everyone that we were born into it but the biggest thing that helped us was when we went to creation. When we went to creation, the festival. Yeah, and then that camp really helped too. Yes, we are. But they all live far away. Oh, really? Like Florida, Florida Tennessee. Tennessee. Wow. Those are like the two Those are the main, main ones. That the main places that people go to. Yeah, you can get their stuff, and people ask for numbers and Instagrams and stuff. Yeah. So now they were praying about making a lake, like building one, but then for some reason this land right next to it came open and available to buy, so they are raising up money to get that property so they can make like more cabins because we're all maxed out like there's like no open spots there's waiting lists now stuff like that oh so they were thinking that they were going to get 80,000 and then put a down payment on it and um get loans and stuff but they got 260,000 already and they're not even done with their fundraiser so they're hoping that they can pay, use all of it to pay for it. Yeah. Or some staff like that. Yeah. 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 Y
And we heard that Dylan and Jacob loved it and want to go again. Praise the Lord. It sounds like they all had a great time. Amen. And thank you all for your contributions to help them all go. Praise God. All right. So Ephraim took off to the back for kids church. Are you having kids church? No. Okay. We can let them know there. All right. Praise the Lord. God is good. Amen. All right. I promise not to take too long on this sermon. We'll pray. Let's pray. Father, in Jesus' name, I pray, Father, for your anointing. I pray for your Holy Ghost. To be in this place, I pray, Lord God, that you would speak to us through your word and that you would have your way. And I pray this, Lord God, in Jesus' name. Amen. There is a spiritual battle going on. Who believes that? There's a spiritual battle going on. The Bible says there's war in heaven. Do you believe that? There's a war going on in heaven. There's a war going on right here on this earth. There's a war in heaven. The angels are fighting against other fallen angels. They're fighting against the dragon and demons. And there's a battle that's raging right here on this planet for your very minds and souls. Revelations chapter 12 verse 7. It says this, And there was war in heaven. Michael and his angels fought against the dragon, and the dragon and his angels fought back. So I'm going to tell you, right now, if there's a battle in heaven, and there's angels fighting against angels, good against evil, then there's a battle right here on this earth that's against you and me, that's against a believer. That there's a battle going on right now. That there's demons out there that are trying to attack you and your family and your children. There's a war. And it's ferocious. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 11. Peter urges us. He says, dear friends, I urge you. I urge you. In other words, this is important. I urge you. Think about this. This is important. Take note. I urge you as aliens and strangers in this world to abstain from sinful desires which wage war against your soul. Think about that. What what are we fighting? We're fighting sinful desires. And it's a constant barrage against your soul. It's a battle that we got to constantly take to thought and constantly take seriously. In Matthew... Chapter 26, verse 41, even Jesus tells us, he says, to watch and pray so you will not fall into temptation. Fall into temptation of those sinful desires that Peter warned us about. He says, you got to watch it. You got to watch. You got to keep guard. You got to be alert. You got to be careful what you say. Remember, there's power in our words. There's power in our words on what we say every day. We are either speaking life or we're speaking death. 
There's power. And Jesus says, watch and pray. Watch and pray. So you do not so that you will not fall into temptation of those sinful desires. And he said, the spirit is willing, but the body is weak. The spirit is willing, but the body is weak. This is one of my biggest struggles of getting up early and getting into the word. My spirit is willing. My flesh is weak. My flesh says stay in bed and sleep. It's terrible. Church, we are in a battle. It's not just a battle, it's a war. And it's going on in the heavens as it's going on right here on the earth. It's happening as we speak. There's a war against you. There is an evil force that is against you and against everything that is good in you, against everything that opposes God. And it's real. And it's happening right now. It's happening in our minds. It's happening in our hearts. It's happening in our families. The fighting is intense. And we need to fight back with the same intensity, if not more. The enemy is out there, and he's trying to bring division. He's trying to bring separation. Have you ever seen a pack of animals hunt? Have you ever seen a pack of wolves hunt? And they start getting a herd to run. If you haven't ever seen a pack animal hunt, come to the house. I got chickens that are outside. I got a fox that's out there. And he's trying to kill our chickens. And what he does is they, they run around the chickens. And they're looking. And they're, 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 taking, they're taking note. What's the weakest chicken? What's the weakest pack animal out there? And then they cunningly go in and they separate the weak one. They separate the weak one because they know that there's protection in the herd. But if they can get in there and separate one, then they can overcome it. And they can take it down. And they can kill it. That is exactly what the enemy does. He goes around. The Bible said he runs around like a roaring lion. Looking for someone to devour. The enemy is trying to bring division in our families, in our marriages, in our jobs, and in our children. We are letting him have his way. We are letting him have his way. Paul to the Ephesians says this. In Ephesians chapter 4, verses 11 through 15, he said, It was he who gave some to be apostles, some to be prophets, and some to be evangelists, and some to be pastors and teachers. Now, who is it that gave? It was he that gave. It was the Holy Spirit. We each have a calling on our lives by the Holy Spirit. Each one of you do. God has prepared works for you. In the Bible, it says it. God says, I have prepared good works for you to do. And we have to be willing to take up those good works. It says, It was he who gave some to be apostles, some to be prophets, some to be evangelists, and some to be pastors and teachers. To prepare God's people for the works of service. So that the body of Christ 
might be built up. Joy knows what being built up is about. He went through practices with football, building himself up, preparing himself for the game, for his opponents, to be sharper, to be faster, to be stronger. Built himself up in practice. Anyone who's participating in sports knows what I'm talking about. You get built up physically, then you get built up mentally. We have to do the same thing. When we wage war or when we go to battle, we have to be prepared. We have to be built up. We get built up by the word of God and by prayer. We get built up by the gathering together of the brethren to encourage, admonish each one another. Some of you out here are pastors, are teachers, are prophets, are evangelists. We need to ask God what your work is, what your form of service is, so that you can build up the body of Christ. It says here, Paul says, the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach the unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Becoming mature means growing up, doesn't it? It's time for some young adults to grow up. Because then it goes on and says, then we will no longer be infants tossed back and forth by the waves and the blowing here and there by every wind of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of men in their deceitful scheming. Paul hit it right on the head, didn't he? It's simple. He made it clear and simple. He said, listen. There's men out there that are going to toss you to and fro. And because you're not rooted in the Word of God, and you're not growing up or maturing in the Bible, then you're like infants. You're going to believe everything they say. And you're going to be torn. You're going to be pulled. Your foundations are not going to be solid because you're not sure if the Word of God is real or not. And if you don't know that the Word of God is a sure, solid foundation, then you're going to believe others what they say. They, oh, Jesus was a good man. He could have been a prophet, but did he save the whole world? Did he die for all flesh? I don't know. You get somebody up there who starts doubting it, and then you start putting doubt in your mind, and you start thinking on these things. Oh, I don't know. The Bible says this and this, but is it true? Or is it just a good book? I'm telling you what, the Bible's been around for 6,000 years. There is no other book like it. None. And I think the people, I think like Paul knew what he was talking about 2,000 years ago. It's more than just a good book. It's the Word of God. It's been Holy Spirit written. It's been inspired by the Holy Spirit. It's a sure, solid foundation. I'm going to tell you what. If you don't have the Word of God or Christ set it in your life, then every day you are going to be tossed to and fro. It's simple. If you don't have a solid foundation rooted in God, built up in Christ Jesus, then you're going to be tossed to and fro by whoever comes around with a good idea or a good philosophy or good thinking. 
or a worldview that you might agree with because you don't want to agree with God's worldview. Paul says, then we will no longer be tossed to and fro, back and forth, by the waves and and blown here and there, by every wind of teaching, and by the cunning and craftiness of men. See, they're out there being deceitful and they're scheming, trying to distort the word, thinking that they're smart when really they're not. When really they're blinded. The fact is, is they don't want to accept the truth. They don't want to accept the truth. You know what the you know who the truth is? The Bible says Jesus is the way, the truth. Think about that. Ponder that thought for a second. Jesus is the way. Jesus is truth. Jesus is truth. Everything Jesus said is true. Everything Jesus did is truth. He is truth. Jesus died on the cross. That's truth. Jesus rose on the third day to heaven. Or Jesus rose from the grave on the third day. That's truth. After 40 days on earth, walking with his disciples, where hundreds and hundreds of people saw Jesus after the resurrection, then saw him ascend up into heaven. That is truth. Jesus is truth. And you can't argue truth. Two plus two equals four. That's true. Right? You can't argue that. But there's men out there in their cunningness and their craftiness. Now, when I think of craftiness, I think of witchcraft. I think of deceitful. I think of lying. Think about that. Craftiness is deception. It's like an illusion. It's like smoke and mirrors. There are people out there in their craftiness that are deceiving thousands and millions of people. They're distorting the Word of God, and they're pulling people out of the church by the droves. They think it's better to go worship God out in nature than to worship God with the body of Christ. And they can find Jesus Christ in a boat fishing, but they can't find Him in the church. It's all deception. It's all a lie. It's all of the craftiness of that roaring lion looking to devour and separate the one. It says here, And by their cunning and craftiness of men in their deceitful scheming, instead of speaking the truth in love, we will in all things grow up into him who is the head that is Christ. Paul says it's time for us to grow up, to put Christ first. That is the head. We've been tossed to and fro. People in the church have been tossed to and fro. Why? Because they haven't really surrendered to the truth, to Jesus. They haven't surrendered in their heart. They haven't surrendered their lives to God. Who come to church just because their friends come. Or their wives make them. (laughs) It's true. Their heart's really not in it. 
Their spirit's really not in it. And hopefully by the grace of God that they hear a word of God that pricks their heart and makes them surrender. Not because of what the pastor says or preacher says, but what the Holy Spirit does in their lives. Now, I'm not saying God can't use me because God can. God can use my words just like he can use your words. God can use you to speak truth into somebody's life that can make a difference, that they can draw them into Jesus. Amen? But there's been people that have been coming to church for a long time that really haven't made a full 100% commitment to God. They've been going to church for a long time for a duty or an obligation, but they haven't made a great, they haven't made that 100% commitment to God. Why? Because they don't want to give up their ways. They don't want to give up and surrender their ways to God. They don't want to have a moral absolute standard to live by. There's definitely a moral absolute standard in the Bible. It'll be a sad day if Jesus returned. And people aren't 100% sold out to God because they didn't want to give up the way they lived and how they lived. And if Jesus suddenly returned, how are they going to explain that? How would we explain it when we're face to face with God, looking at his throne? We're all in a battle. We're all in the battle. A lot of people don't want to face it. They don't want to face that they're in the battle. We don't want to we don't want to even think about it. We're in a battle. We want to deny that there's even a battle out there. We'd rather run away than face it. The Bible says when you've done everything you could possibly do, then stand. People in the church don't want to face the battle. As a matter of fact, people in the church have forgotten how to fight the battle. We've forgotten how to fight the battle. We've lost our own way. We forgot how to wage a war. We've been lulled to sleep. We put our armor in the closet. And we've forgotten how to wage war against the enemy who's constantly barraging us and barraging our family. And it's all plans of the craftiest, crafty Deceiver out there, the devil. Because he doesn't want you to know who you are. He doesn't want you to know what is God has made available to you. He doesn't want you to know that you are dynamite, a dynamo. That you are more powerful than any nuclear bomb out there. Because greater he who is in you than he who is in the world. And that's what he's afraid of. He is afraid of you. Because of who's in you. You are a mighty warrior in Christ Jesus. You have weapons that are mighty. But we've forgotten all about that. The church has forgotten about that. The church has forgotten how to fight. The church has forgotten how to pray. 
Because prayer meeting is the first thing to go in most churches. Because there's not great numbers. So if we don't get great numbers in our prayer meetings, then we might as well stop that. It's a waste of time. It's a waste of money to turn the power on, the heat on, the lights on, because we're only getting two or three coming. But they, but they forget. Even pastors forget when the Bible says, when there are two or more gathered in my name, and they agree, then let it be. Or one could put a thousand to flight, but two could put ten thousand to flight, and three could probably put a hundred thousand. Imagine four could probably do a million to flight. Pretty powerful stuff, isn't it? Well, we got to keep persisting in prayer and persisting in gathering together because we are mighty. You are God's children. Each one of you are God's children. Think about that. You're, you're a king's kid. You're God's child. You're a child of God, the Bible says. Do you think a child of God is weak? How could an heir to the throne be weak? Think about it. God, creator of the universe who knows all things, created all things. You think his children are going to be weak? They're going to be mighty. They're going to be warriors. They're going to be strong. They're going to be smart. They're going to be healthy. They're going to live such good lives that when the pagans see them, that they turn and they say, I want some of that. But no, we've been lulled asleep by a deceiving, cunning, crafty, demonic force. And we've forgotten how to pray. We've forgotten how to come together in power and unity. And the devil has separated the church and the churches. There was only one church. The church of God. Now there's over 3,000 or 30,000 denominations, I believe. It's over 30,000 denominations. Pretty crazy when you think about it. Paul tells us, When we're letting him have his way, without even questioning him, when we've forgotten what Paul says, that we don't live any longer to the standards of this world, as a king's kid, as a warrior of God, as a child child of God, we don't live anymore to the standards of this world, but we're living to the standards of a heavenly world, of a kingdom come, that will be done. Even though we live in the world, we're not part of the world. Paul says this in 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verses 3 through, I think it's 6 or 7. He says, for, we, for though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does. The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary... Think about this. We have weapons that are divine. They have divine power to demolish strongholds. We demolish arguments. And every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. Our weapons are mighty. They're divine in nature. They're not like the world's weapons. We don't wage war like the world does. 
We wage war on our knees. We wage war on our war in the word. We wage war by laying on of hands and praying for one another. And we believe that those weapons are divine. That they're able to demolish strongholds over people's lives. Not only do they demolish strongholds, but they demolish arguments that set itself up against the will of God. And the knowledge of God. And then he goes on and says, we take captive every thought. How important is that? Because I'm going to tell you what. If we let our minds run wild on things that aren't of God, then I'm going to tell you, it's going to come out of your, out of your mouth. What you're thinking in your head, it's going to be out of your mouth. It's going to come out of your being, out of your way of living. That's why it's in there. We have to take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. In other words, when we get a bad thought, we have to take that to God and say, God, is that from you or is that from the devil? Is that thought from you or is that from the devil? And then we've got to wash it with the blood of Christ. And it's from the devil, you'll know. And you will know immediately because you know, like, who put that thought there? Every bad, every evil thought is not of God. And you can just say, nope, that's not of God. I'm not even going to entertain that thought. I'm not going to let my mind go there. I'm not going to sit there and ponder on it. It's a waste of time. It's just the enemy trying to get my eyes off of Jesus, get me distracted and go down the wrong road. To get me out and separate me from the love of God. Like a, like a pack animal. He's trying to separate you again. I'm not going to have those thoughts. I'm going to take that thought captive. And we will be ready to punish every act of disobedience. Once your obedience is complete, our weapons have divine power. They're mighty. But if we don't ever use them, then they're of no avail. What's the sense of even having the weapon if we're not going to use it? If it's going to sit on a shelf and get dusty or sit in the closet... And get rusty. If we don't pray, if we don't seek God, if we don't read His Word, then we're of no avail. Then the enemy's got us right where he wants us. If we sit back and watch the crime take place, when we can have the power to stop it, or do something about it. It's the same thing. Ephesians chapter 6 verses 10 through 18. Now I'll close with this. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers, 
of this dark world and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. We're not fighting one another. We're fighting the spiritual forces of evil that are in the heavenly realms, that are in the air, that are putting thoughts into our minds. We need to bind them up. And remember, your weapons are mighty. They're divine in nature. We're not fighting against ourselves. We've got to remember that. We've got to take authority over the enemy, over our lives, over our families, over our thoughts, over our words. It says, therefore, put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground. And after you've done everything to stand, stand firm then. Standing firm is standing firm. Not wavering, not being tossed to and fro. Not giving in. I mean, they teach you when you're playing football to stand your ground. They teach you, you know, get in your three-point stance, four-point stance. And you hold, you push them back. You push the enemy back. And you don't give them, you don't give them an inch. You stand your ground. And how do you stand? You stand with the belt of truth. Whose truth? Jesus. Buckle around your waist. The breastplate of righteousness in place. And with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to all this, take up the shield of faith. With which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. And pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert always. Be alert always. Keep on praying for all the saints. We got to be alert, church. We got to be continually in prayer. Continually in prayer. We got to be watchful. We got to be on guard. We got to be ready. You know, when Nehemiah built the wall around Jerusalem, he had his men ready at all times. They were building the wall with one hand and they had the sword in the other hand. They were continually building the wall. But they were ready on guard with sword. Just in case the enemy came. They were prepared. When Gideon chose his army. God said to Gideon. Take your men down. You know I don't need half your men. Send them back. Then take some of them down and let them get a drink. Let them get a drink. And when they took them down, God said every man that lapped the water up from his hand, keep it. Everyone that just put his face down into the water, send them back. Gideon had a small little army that was powerful. And they were going up against this huge, massive army that was in the valley. And then God said to Gideon, Take your man and a lamp. Get up on these hilltops. Light these lamps and sound a mighty war cry. And it routed the enemy. I think they turned against themselves and fought against themselves. And they just plundered them. And they didn't even have to fight. But they did what God said. Powerful weapons. God knew each man's heart when he chose them for those battles. 
He knew that they were warriors. King David had his mighty men who did exploits that are unimaginable. Mighty men. Mighty men of God. Church, we can't lose we can't lose sight of the battle that's before us and before our families. It's a battle for our very souls. It's a war that's been waging for a long, long time. A long time. We know the beginning to the end. We know that we win. We know that Christ wins in the end. We have to stand our ground and stand firm. Amen? We have to stand our ground and stand firm. We have to do our part through prayer. We have to we have to pray, we have to read the word, we have to stand in the gaps for our families. We have to stand on truth, which is the word of God, which is Jesus. We have to believe with all our heart, soul, mind and body and let nothing waver us and toss us to and fro. Don't be deceived by every false doctrine out there, but believe in the word of God. Amen. Amen. All right, let's all stand for the blessing. And I'll dismiss you. Thank you, Lord. Father, I thank you and praise you for this day. I pray, Lord God, for your Holy Spirit, Lord God, to just speak to us. I pray that anything that I've said, Lord God, that's not of you would just be pushed aside, but anything that's of you, Lord God, would just stick into our hearts and minds. And Lord God, I just pray, Father, for your blessings upon your people. Lord, I pray that you would bless us and keep us. I pray, Lord God, that your face would shine upon us and that, Lord, you would be gracious to us. That, Lord, you would turn your face toward us and that you would give us peace on all sides. And I pray, Father, for your anointing. And I praise you and thank you for this day. I thank you for all those that heard your word today. And I pray that you would bless them abundantly. In Jesus' mighty name, amen.